invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, I'll be reading at verse 13 to the end of the chapter. I believe that's page 1157. Last Sunday evening, or the Sunday before in the evening, I began this sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we looked at love, the foundational fruit of the Spirit. This evening, we look at joy, joy of the Spirit. Let us now hear God's word, Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep with step, in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, the reading of God's word, may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, back in the 17th century, a philosopher, physician, mathematician by the name of Blaise Pascal. Some of you have heard of him. He was a Catholic theologian too, Catholic scholar. He said this, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man. That's what the will seeks and desires. Happiness. Everyone wants to have happiness or joy in their lives. I will use the two words interchangeably. In fact, it was Calvin in the 16th century when he would look at the Psalms, he would say, happy is the man. Happy is the man. To interpret the word blessed. Blessed, happy, joy. Exuberance. Whatever different means they employ, Pascal says, they all tend to this end. 
The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, and that is happiness. Can you sympathize with that? I sure can. Like human beings looking for love in all the wrong places, while well, we look for joy in all the wrong places. That's who we are. Because every human being wants to have joy in their lives. We are joy seekers. And we will go to great lengths to find joy in order to fill that joyless void in our hearts and minds. We'll do what we can to fill that void of joylessness. And in doing so, we try to look for that quick fix. Like fast food for joy. What can please us right away? We see this today in our cultural climate in which we are in, especially among the gender dysphoria debate and that's prevalent in our culture. Deep down, even there, deep down, there's a yearning for happiness, joy. At the very core of the hearts, A search for joy. A yearning for meaning and purpose. What lengths will a person go to find joy? How do we find it? How do we get it? You know, we can find joy in family, friends, food. Italians like to find joy in food. Sure you do. Those are all good things. They bring joy to our hearts. Family, friends, community. But the joy produced by the Spirit, is that what we're talking about? What are we talking about when we say the fruit of the Spirit called joy? What is joy biblically? What is joy produced by the Spirit? That's what we want to look at first. Joy produced by the Spirit. What is biblical joy? I was interested in finding out what a dictionary would say or how a dictionary would define joy. And here's a simple definition. If you Google it, you'll find it there. pops up. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Notice, a feeling. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Break that down a little bit with me. What is it saying? Well, based on this definition, one's feelings determine one's joy or happiness. Joy essentially comes and goes based upon one's feelings or emotions on any given day, which are basically dictated by one's circumstances. For example, you have a bad day. That's going to dictate whether you're going to be happy or not or have joy. It's very superficial, isn't it? It's very shallow. Because that's the world's definition of joy. The biblical definition of joy has depth and meaning and purpose. And it results in praise to God. In the 1600s, 
man by the name of Wilhelmus Brockle wrote a three-volume book called A, Re- a Christian's Reasonable Service. And he writes this, he defines joy this way. This is good, listen carefully. Joy is the pleasure, delight, and rejoicing of the heart. Joy is the pleasure, delight, and rejoicing of the heart. He doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says. It is the expression of a spirit set at liberty, generated by a present blessing, or due to the anticipation of a future blessing. Let's say it again. Joy is the pleasure, delight, and rejoicing of the heart. It is the expression of a spirit set at liberty, generated by his present blessing, or due to the anticipation of a future blessing. The spirit produced joy in the heart of a believer is a state or condition It's not a feeling. It's a state or condition that is brought on into our hearts by the power of God, the grace of God, and the Spirit of God. It's deeply embedded in the heart of the believer. It's a condition of the heart because it's grounded in God and is grounded in the past, present, and future blessing of God. Namely, What is that blessing? The victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. Because that's where joy comes from. It comes from God as a result of God's victory in Christ over sin, death, and hell. In the past, Christ freed us from our sins, reconciled us to the Father. The Holy Spirit applies this victorious work of Christ to the heart of the believer, giving us faith to believe this glorious message. In the present, Christians are declared not guilty before the Father, are promised God's ever-abiding presence in their lives. All the promises of God are yes and amen for the Christian now in the present. But what about times and circumstances in life when it's dark and ugly and you have dark providences in your life and you can't see your left foot from your right? What about those times? Well, it has an anticipation of the future. It's past, present, and future that because of the victory of Christ, we have joy even in the dark providences because He lives and He has won the victory. And so we look not in the present then, in the dark providences, but we look to that future anticipation when He comes again to judge the living and the dead. In Psalm 20, verse 5, we will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Psalm 21, verse 1, O Lord, the King rejoices in your strength. How great is His joy in the victories that you give. John 16, Jesus says, So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
joy, and we'll, next week we'll look at peace, but joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Why? Because the victory of the Lord in Christ is ours. The victory of the Lord is ours. It's not some superficial, shallow feeling that comes at any and every circumstance in life. It's even in the dark providences if you're laying in bed dying. You can have joy. If you are grieving deeply, you can have joy. Something the world can't understand. To them it seems like a contradiction. But it's not. Because joy is deeply embedded in the heart by the power of the Spirit. It's that harvest of the Spirit in the life of the believer, knowing that this life is but a mist. Yes, I will suffer. Yes, I will suffer against my own sin and the sins of others against me. Yes, I will know sadness and sorrow, but take heart, says Jesus. I have overcome the world. Joy is past, present, and future it looks to the victory of God. I've used this example before. Back in the first two world wars, when the Allies won, they came home. What happened? They were celebrating in the streets. A joyful occasion. People celebrating the victory of the United States and the Allies. Why did they have such great joy? Because there was victory. Victory. Jesus won the victory. In other words, Jesus says, the victory is mine over sin, death, and hell. I have overcome your enemies. Be of good cheer. Rejoice. Rejoice. The Spirit generates, produces this love and joy into our hearts. It is therefore not superficial or shallow. It's not, as one author calls it, an irrational escapism. An irrational escapism. It's not superficial or superstitious way to escape from life's reality. Act like nothing's wrong. No, we understand the reality of things. We understand life is hard. Life is tough. We understand dark days. We know dark nights of the soul. But in the darkness, we know joy. Because the joy is not snuffed out altogether. One very influential philosopher said, religion is the opiate of the people. What did he mean by that? He meant that religion, and particularly Christianity, is a drug that helps people cope in life's difficulties. It's a, it's a, it's a drug that helps people cope against the oppressed, or the oppressed find in religion a coping mechanism in order not to take arms and revolt against the oppressor. We see that going on today. The influence of Marxism. No, Christian joy is a God-given, spirit-produced joy that meets the world and its problems knowing ultimately who has won and who will win. And we need to remember this. Be reminded of it. In fact, we need to preach to ourselves this especially in the darkness. 
Because in the darkness there is light, the light of Christ, the joy of Christ, the joy of the Spirit. Because when we're in the darkness spiritually, it's easy to be blinded, right? To forget that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the joy of the Lord that will help sustain you and enable you to move on in faith. God has planted faith in our hearts, and with, along with that, the Spirit produces a harvest of joy. And we see this in, our, in the sanctifying grace of God. As we grow up as Christians, this joy becomes ever more fruitful and real. And we learn it. We learn it through hardship. Right? We learn how to live with Christian joy through hardship. Like Christian love, joy, Christian joy is outside of ourselves. It's foreign. It's a gift of God. It comes from God. It's a harvest produced in the heart of the Christian. And it begins to flow out of the heart and is expressed and shared with others. Shared with others. When we gather together for worship, we share the joy of the Lord with each other. There's excitement. Excitement for Christ. There's excitement for the work of the gospel. There's a zeal that comes from Christian joy. That has the heart's desire to declare the wondrous deeds of God in Christ. You saw that from the psalmist, the call to worship. Sing for joy to God, all the earth. Sing of His wondrous deeds. Sing of His victory. Because in the darkness, friends, we can think that we're defeated. But God has us. He's keeping us, watching over us, faithful to His promises. We need to look to that promise of God. Joy produced by the Spirit. Secondly, counterfeit joy produced by the flesh. Joy is tested by fire. There's real godly sorrow that Christians experience, but the experience of sorrow and the cares of this world doesn't snuff out joy. In fact, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But counterfeit joy is false joy. Joy that relies upon circumstances. It's like the definition brought about in the beginning. The feeling, the feeling of happiness. If you look at the passage at verse 19 now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are all works of the flesh. And in all these things, there's a pursuit for happiness and joy. Yes, we see them as sins, and they are sins. But why do people engage in that? What's the motive? What's at the heart of it? Why do they choose to do that? Works of the flesh, works of 
Their sinful nature seeks to find pleasure outside of God. And as a result, there is division, disorder, and death. This is where many, many people are at. Your neighbors, people you rub shoulders with, perhaps at work. We see addictions rampant. Why? What is an addiction? An addiction, an addiction is seeking something to fill the joyless void in one's heart. Seeking pleasure to know peace and joy or happiness. Counterfeit joy is false joy. Relying on circumstances, senses, emotions in order to have their need for joy met. Counterfeit joy is essentially superficial and shallow because it's content when we're in the good times only and when there's no external pressures. It's a a faith that hasn't taken root yet. And when the trials come, it withers. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Beginning at verse 18. Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Did you hear that? On the rocky, the one that's sown on the rocky ground, the one who hears the word immediately responds with joy, but when trials come, that joy snuffed out. Because he has a counterfeit joy. A joy not rooted in Christ. In the gospel of the kingdom. But we see here that is which is planted on good soil. The good soil of the heart. A new Christian. Born by the Spirit of God. Given the Spirit of God. He is working that harvest in your life. Teaching you. To learn how to have joy in Christ and His victory. Counterfeit joy is a joy that is superficial and shallow and relies and is produced by the flesh. Lastly, the life of joy in the Spirit. The life of joy in the Spirit. Because we have been set free from 
the curse of the law as the Apostle Paul labors in this letter. That we have been set free. We were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Live in the freedom that Christ has provided for us. Live in the freedom. Live in the freedom in the Spirit of God. For in the Spirit there is great freedom. Because in the Spirit there is God's presence. There's salvation in the Lord. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. And because of Christ's victory over sin and death, we have the victory in and through Christ. In Him you find meaning. In Him you find purpose. Remember that. Meditate upon that. What it means to find your joy and happiness in Christ alone. And what that means for you to have the victory in Him. Because He brings great joy to the sinner's heart. You need not look any further than your own heart and His gracious work and love in your own heart. I'm astonished sometimes, a lot of the times, in fact, most of the time, that He should call me His child. Are you? That He would call you a child of God? Saved by His grace? You see, even with tears, there's joy. Even with tears, there's joy. We need to learn to sit at the feet of one who has our greatest pleasure, our greatest joy, our greatest treasure. He is Jesus. As Psalm 16 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Oh, the fullness of God! The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord dwells in you. The triune God makes His home in you. The joy of God is in you. And as one commentator said, the Holy Spirit is no sourpuss. He's no joy kill. Jesus, joy of man's desire. What a beautiful hymn. You see the joy of your heart? Do you know the joy of the Spirit? That harvest of the Spirit produced in your heart? Doesn't this change the way you think about maybe dark providences in your life when they come? How might you handle them? How might you think about them? And so find your salvation always and your hope always in the Christ who is your joy. Persevere in faith and trust in His promise of forgiveness of sins. Move forward in the joy of the Lord. And that's what David did in Psalm 51. 
burdened by his sin, confessing his sin, what did he do? He said, Lord, restore in me the joy of your salvation. Restore in me the joy of your salvation. I am forgiven by your grace. All my transgressions have been forgiven. I am set free. Let me walk in the joy of that salvation. And to walk in the joy of salvation is to walk by the Spirit because where the Spirit is, there is freedom and there is joy. Rejoice to me the joy of your salvation, O Lord, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's one thing to mourn over your sin and grieve them and not do anything about that, but there's another thing to mourn and grieve your sin, but turn to the God of your salvation and rejoice in Him. Many Christians are experiencing dark nights of the soul because they see their sins, they grieve their sins, and rightly so, but they stop there. They stop there. And it's almost like they want the misery upon themselves. They want to suffer vicariously for their sins instead of turning their eyes upon Jesus and the joy of His salvation. Always turning to the promise of God in Christ and knowing that joy, that joy, Because uncontrolled sorrow consumes and brings problems to both body and soul. As the Proverbs say, says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Or a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Perhaps you can relate to that. Be of good cheer, says Jesus. Rejoice, for I have overcome the world. I hope you're getting it by now. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and that joy, the grounding of that joy, is Christ and his, Him crucified and risen, the victory in Jesus, my Savior. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming love. What a great hymn. For all my love is due Him. I'll spare you. But he plunged me to victory. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Third, be on guard. Watch out for the sinful nature. That list that Paul warns us of in verse 19 and verse 21. Because the sinful nature, your senses, your eyes, your mind, your heart, are enticed by the empty joys still. Yes, even Christians fight the good fight of faith. Even Christians fight against the temptation of the devil and the works of the sinful nature, seeking to go back to that old way of life, seeking to go to these things to find pleasure which is temporary and transient and destructive. So we need to be on guard I want to close with the last thing here in joy, life of joy in the Spirit. Joy is not just inward. 
It finds its expression in praise and worship to God. It finds its expression in the life of the Christian community. It finds its expression in the family. Father, mother, exuding the love and joy of God in Christ in the home. Joy is external as well as internal. God's people should be radiating with joy because of the victory and hope that we have in the present, in the past, and in the future. As Psalm 98 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst! Burst! Into jubilant song. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. 1 Thessalonians 5, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Why can the Apostle Paul say rejoice in the Lord always when he's in prison for Christ? Because he knows his joy is grounded in Christ. And nobody can rob him or strip him of that joy. Nobody can rob him of that victory because it's sure and certain in the promise of the gospel of Jesus. That's why he says rejoice always. He's not saying rejoice in the evil or the persecution. He's saying in those moments, in any and all circumstances, rejoice because we know whom we belong to. The Spirit of God produces a harvest of joy in His people and God is pleased. God is pleased when we, the people of God, worship Him in joy and gladness of heart. And I encourage you to look at Deuteronomy 28 and that passage of Scripture there. This is a footnote. Why did the curse of God come upon the Israelites? God said to them, you will endure this curse because you did not worship the Lord with joy and gladness. God takes seriously joy. He wants you to be filled with joy when you worship Him. He wants you to have joy-filled hearts because of the great and awesome deeds of the Lord. Do you know this victory and therefore know this joy of the Spirit? I ask each one of you personally, do you know this joy? Maybe you need to pray, Lord, restore in me the joy of your salvation. Maybe you don't have that joy. You're looking for joy in all the wrong places. I don't know, but the Lord knows. Turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. Know the forgiveness of sins and the life everlasting. Know this joy that is both past, present, and future grounded in Christ, firmly and fixed in Him. And He will be with you always, even to the end of the age when you will be with Him forever. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And this joy is a fruit of the Spirit produced in our hearts through faith in Jesus. If you don't have faith, you're not going to know true joy. Christian, 
take great courage and comfort in the fact that God is doing this work in us and through us by His Spirit and Word. This is a work of God. And we give praise to God that He gives us hearts and lips to sing of this joy. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank You that You, O oh Lord, are gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. We thank You, O oh Lord, that You sent Your one and only Son to secure the victory for Your people by His death and resurrection, He has overcome sin, death, and hell. Through faith in Him, we have then overcome the world. So, Father, we pray that You would grant us abundant faith, faith that fixes our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that we would walk in the joy of Your salvation in any and all circumstances, that we may take up the call to rejoice always. Not having our joy being robbed or stripped by any circumstances of life, even in the tumultuous times in which we find ourselves in, oh Lord, we have joy knowing that You are in control and that You have the first and last word. And you will come again in great power, glory, and majesty, Lord Jesus. And oh Lord, we anticipate that day when all things will be made new and you will reign victoriously in the new heavens and new earth. And there will be no more weeping, no more sadness, no more sorrow. No more tears. No more cancer. And new heavens and new earth will be perfect because you, O oh Lord, are a perfect God and will fulfill your promise to us. Grant us your grace, O oh Lord, as we go from this place into this, to our respective vocations, the school, whatever you call us to, Lord, in work or play. We pray, O oh Lord, that the joy of Christ, the joy of your Spirit, would exude from us, giving glory to your name.